Let's do a podcast, boys. Let's fucking do it. Right. <clears throat> hey, welcome to the Muscle Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Mike Munzreiner and Patrick Kagongo to talk about supplemental skate media. First, the most highly anticipated brand launch in a long time, Asics Skateboarding. Gino Iannucci got the skate world talking when he appeared on the cover of Italy's A Brief Glance magazine, then skating with Chico Brines in Asics. What followed was a slow tease of footage, photos, and reposts that set the stage for this week's launch, the Jacob Elliott Harris helmed video. Mike, are you uh, a little Asics interested? Asics curious? I think I'm a little Asics curious, though. I'm also battling the fact that I'm like a huge, huge, huge creature of habit in terms of like, I've, I don't know, Nike came out how many years ago? Nike SB. I've been skating those for like a decade plus and... Before that, it was Lakai for about a decade, and I don't know. Try to try to maybe ease into it, get curious, maybe a year or two. But um, no, there's reason for curiosity. Like I think we can all agree that the A6 logo, big, is it an A? I haven't I haven't studied it actually. I should have studied it and figured out what its like symbology was. We need that dude from the Da Vinci Code to figure this out for us. But it's a cool logo. The shoes are clean. The rollout is pretty cool. I was a little like. I was wondering what was going on with that IG page because it was pretty random for a while. They've cleaned that up. The video was good. You got Gino. You launch a shoe company with Gino, right? You launch a, like a mainstream shoe company with Gino. So I think they checked all the boxes, and I'm being like a little sarcastic here, but the video was good. The skating was good. I have questions. We'll get into that. Like, Patrick, what? It, what how did this hit you? Um, Jacob Elliott Harris, did it? did it work? I think it worked. The question is, are people going to buy the shoes? Because Asics did everything right. They got Gino. And here's the thing for those who don't know about Luigi, Giovanni, Iannucci, Gino Iannucci. Uh, Italian folks, please correct me if I butchered his name. Gino is one of those people who a lot of folks in the skateboard industry and a lot of skaters still have a lot of respect for. We joke a lot about the whole... I'd rather watch Gino push, but clearly Gino has something. Gino pulls up to your program. Something about it is going to be right. Gino was on Asics. Uh, excuse me. Gino was on S. Was the other shoe he was the company was on with Kareem and all them? Action. action. <laughs> I mean that that's how badly Action has uh or whoever owns the name Action has destroyed their legacy. I couldn't remember it off top. Um, when Nike SB came online, Gino was one of those one of those people. Even his brief little stint at Asics, which was probably like a short term contract thing. I th- I think Adidas. Pretty- Adidas. God. All these names with the A. I don't know. Anyway, sorry, Gino, and sorry, Asics. Anyway, back to this. Here's the other thing. A quasi and Emil, that gives you street cool points. More specifically, like a certain type of skater who's very switched on to things that are happening around the skate industry and likes a certain type. I mean, a quasi, I think, is low-key the breakout star here. Got to see him yeah. skate a whole bunch and hear him talk at Slow Impact, as did you, Mike. And he's a pretty thoughtful and interesting and very, very, very creative artist, but also that creativity from his visual art, his sculpture, his music also carries into his skateboarding. And also getting Monica Torres on here. Like, thank goodness. Where was she beforehand? That's a good question. I feel like maybe she was a little forgotten about on some other big brand, like probably Flow and some travel expenses or something like that. But yeah, I don't think she was fully on anywhere. I don't. I don't think any of these these folks were fully on anything, and that's kind of an interesting way to build the team. You know, it's just kind of like available skaters. There was no big big get or anything. No, I mean, who else? Walker Ryan, I think, is on Flow, um, or maybe he's actually getting. And and that's that's where we start asking questions about what is the actual team structure. Um, what does it take to get a pro shoe on ASICs? Will there be pro shoes? Are people being compensated well? Like, a trip to Japan for a week is lovely, but that's not that's not going to keep the lights on. I think another question to ask is, I mean, I asked it earlier, are people going to buy the shoes? All the shops went all in. Any shop that I follow on Instagram that has shoe accounts, they're all like, check it out. ASICs is going to be dropping on this date. Pull up. The shoes are, you know, the shoes are it. These are really, really good. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, New Balance has somehow managed to take Kirkland Chic and make it work. And now they have a well-established skate program, in addition to being accepted as being kind of like a dad core, Seinfeld, you know, Seinfeld core, you know, kind of look. 
ASICs is going, they basically, you know, Casper, uh, who is the mastermind over at ASICs, previously worked at Nike SB. And effectively, this is the Nike SB playbook, except now we're in a position where it feels like it feels like Nike is doing significantly less than they were a decade ago and certainly a lot less than they were two decades ago. I mean, Templeton, Mike, what do you think? What is ASIC's place? What does it seem like? Are they the cool creative company? Does that even matter? Uh, I mean, I, I think the brand narrative matters for sure because that's like the whole reason to buy ASIC's over Nike or America or whatever. You know, like that's the whole game of skateboarding really is creating a brand narrative and i'm not sure exactly what the brand narrative is with asics i'm interested to watch it unfold i i'm not sure it was fully communicated in in this rollout and in this in this video you know like the video felt very atlantic drift uh yeah but i think was maybe the one misstep you know like i think they they could have like pulled the jacob elliott Harris back a little bit and put a little more asics into it but like i thought the video was sick super enjoyable but it was just like like i said it, it felt like an atlantic drift and not an asics thing but i i think that they're well positioned to to be something you know people are talking people are interested from what i hear the shoes are good so that's pretty important is to have actually good shoes and i think people are going to be interested to try them and then word's going to get out you know it's like whenever somebody comes to the park and they've got the new shoe They've got to give their review to everybody. Everybody's going to come up and ask them, like, what's up with those ASICs? Do you like them? Are they skating good? Do they last long? Whatever. And, um, yeah, I think time will tell. And I'm sure the product is is good from what I hear. I'll, I'll circle back a little bit to just, like, the Jacob Harris doing the video. Could you rein him in a little bit? Like, was it Atlantic Drift with ASICs? You know, At- Atlantic Drift X ASICs. I don't know. It's a tough thing. I totally understand the idea of like, we're going to go hire out. We're going to hire the best dude in the business, the best dude we can get. Like that's good business. Mm -hmm. I do. And this is pure speculation, you know, Atlantic drift as a company that I would have imagined could have been partially owned by Thrasher fizzled around maybe the same time that an opportunity to, you know, doing ASICs work came about pure speculation. I don't know. There's an official story out there that, COVID got Harris very badly and that's that but something to think about it's it's tough to have someone with such a distinct not just visual style but edit style music style do a video that is a brand launch that is you know using I don't know what track it was I didn't look it up because it wasn't my favorite song where you know we kind of got in a 12 minute video or whatever like nine minutes of the same song kind of playing over and over and a lot of a dude's signature moves, it is tough to like, what is the brand ID in this? Because it's a lot of Jacob Elliott Harris. Do you think that the shoes look clean? Like I said, the logo is very cool. And I mean, it is just in that like, can there be enough hype? Do people vibe with, I mean, it's basically a quasi and Emile Laurent, who are the team that stand out to me. Monica Torres is just solid as hell like Kieran Woolley's in there too doing like feebles around you know 180 degrees in a corner that's very sick they got the Japanese kids because they launched in Japan years ago now like they're gonna have to come fast with another move I feel like because shoes yes good video yes I think that's right what else what else that's right for us because we'll we'll forget very quickly if there's not something to back this up in a month or something. Well, it's like every like all the kids' favorite skater is Ishad because he has four parts a year. Right. Exactly. So just kind of doing a cursory bit of rudimentary internet research, looking around at online skate shops, it seems like they're moving. They're not available online or they have very, very limited sizes. So either that means very small shipments went out or people are buying them up like hotcakes. The one I dislike is the the gel flexi, the one with the kind of uh, the the slabs on the side, like on the on the ollie side. Mm-hmm. It looks a bit, it looks a little bit weird. Or maybe they skate phenomenally, but I do like the fact that it has a, a flap on the top, which is very soccer shoe like. Y'all are right; you're touching on something really important. You got to stay relevant, and they got to drop. Actually, here's a good question for you: What can you drop that's going to keep people's attention? Because Ishad doesn't just put out four parts a year; he puts out four excellent parts every single year 
and he's occasionally in contests and he's at all of the big hangout events like the Dime Glory Challenge. He was just at CPH in Copenhagen. He's visible, but he's also delivering you absolutely quality skating. And for the ASICS team, are vibes enough? Absolutely not. This is short attention span theater right now. Uh, you got to become with something that people are for real, for real going to talk about. Or you got to come through with a collab that everyone's going to want. And I don't oh, know if point. ASICS... Right? I don't know if ASICS has a history of doing collabs with, say, fashion houses or whoever, but they might want to. They might want to get started. There's a dime collab that's current, I believe. I think oh, it's okay. run. I think it's a mainline ASICS though, which I I think is just odd timing more than anything. Yeah, I I think that's right because there hasn't been it, any like promotion of that dime shoe with the ASICS like on the ASICS skateboarding account, as far as I remember. That I might be wrong, but like. Probably doesn't hurt, of course, that it coincides with the launch of the the skate line. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm. I I, I have been on record on this podcast as being uh, skeptical of collaborations like Polo and Element are collaborating on some boards, and it's just like, <laughs> the fuck are we doing anymore? Like, I, I don't know. I eh, collabs are cool when they make sense, and like if if. If ASICS has no history of doing collabs, how do we just kind of parachute into it now? Not not hating on the idea. I just hate on the idea of collabs in general because, shit, man, I, I don't know what would be the ultimate collab, like chocolate and Le Creuset. Like, I want some... I mean, Supreme did that. Supreme <laughs> did that, and I, and I, and I, and I high-key want one because we certainly cook enough in the Kigongo household. But, um, you know, honestly, ASICS could be the gateway drug the gateway for a lot of cool Japanese brands that haven't made their mark in the U.S. or not or not even available here. I mean, that's an interesting and different way to look at a collab to introduce somebody new to a market that kind of uh, that doesn't know about them or has never heard about them. That could be uh, something really important. And you know, to your earlier point about collabs being corny, um, yeah, the element you know, especially after your know, Polo does not do collabs at least up until very recently. And the first collab that they ever did, for real, for real, was with Palace. And that was so appropriate because there was this great passage in some of the the promo for it where they said, you know, you can wear polo to the club, you can wear polo to a funeral, you can wear polo to a soccer match, you can wear polo skating. It makes total sense and it aligns fully with the whole Palace vibe and also their, 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 their general aesthetic. Element leaves me asking a lot of questions because... Who's really rocking polo while skating element, element anything in 2023? 1993? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, come on. They had Harold, RIP, you know? Right. Like a polo X underworld element collab would make a lot of sense. Oh, that would be, oh, that, that, that disappear overnight. Like the resale would be out of control. But back to, to, to ASICs, you know, something to think about here is the Olympics are going to be next summer in Paris. And Japanese skateboarding damn near swept at the last uh, Olympics in Tokyo. And you got to wonder, what are they going to do to ramp up for the Olympics? Because, you know, the, the timing actually works out. So if, if, let's say let's say ASICS, you know, came up to all of us and said, here's a whole bunch of money, mostly skateboarding. What do you think we need to do for the Olympics? You know, how do you pull in people who are casually watching skateboarding the same way some people casually watch soccer? You know, like, oh, I tune in for Euro Cup, World Cup. You know, Copa, things like that, but clump stuff I don't pay attention to. There's going to be, at some point in the near future, people who are into skateboarding like that. And there's going to be some of them who want some shoes. How could ASICs take advantage of that market, of that that corridor of the market? Hmm. I mean, I, I think they just have to be present at the big things, you know, like Street League or the Olympics in the video game, you know, in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater or whatever. And I believe Kieran Woolley, was he at the Olympics? Yeah, he won the skate park gold in uh, Tokyo. Damn, yeah. yeah. So they got an Olympic gold medalist there. Uh, did Monica Torres skate in the Olympics? Don't remember offhand. I don't either. And the, the internet is a little bit on. Looks like she maybe did. Got a border profile skating for Brazil. Confusingly, there's a figure skater named Monica Torres. That doesn't no good. Yeah. Anyway, I want to talk about the flow guys because I think the flow situation is kind of interesting. You got Walker Ryan, Brandon Turner, Xander Mitchell. I'm sure there's others, but those are kind of like the big names that I think 
did play a, a role in, in in this hype train, but then it seems like maybe they're going to be kind of like left in the wake of, of the ASIC skateboarding boat, you know, or just be permaflow. I, I feel like... Oh, no. Tell me more. Say more, Patrick. Well, here's the thing. So Walker Ryan just had a kid, so he's indisposed at the moment. So he's not going to be putting out... Um, he's not going to be taking all this time to be filming a part, doing whatever. Or... Counterpoint. Yes, he's hyper motivated. Okay, there you go. So, <laughs> Counterpoint. So there's that. Um, Brandon Turner is very, very busy man in as a as a speaker, running a uh, rehabilitation center, teaching Pilates, taking Pilates. You know, he is really, really uh, quite focused on on health and wellness down in San Diego. So he even just getting out, a little something. He also put out a fucking sick part in the Skate Mafia video. You know, he's not like a semi-retired pro skater. Like I, I feel oh, like no, no, no. He's done what needs to be done to to have a shoe sponsor. Same with Walker Ryan. You know, like the dude is way more productive than you know half the dudes with big name shoe deals out there. I, I just I feel like right. he deserves. These guys all deserve like a, a fuller nod. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, true. I, and it, it feels kind of like Asics is. It's actually interesting to watch this happening in real time. Um, and there will be missteps along the way. So then the question is, based off of some of the mistakes that Nike and Adidas and even New Balance have made, what are some things that ASICs should not do in the next year to completely screw up whatever goodwill that they may be amassing right now? I think you got to trust trust Casper, trust Jake Gascoigne, the creative director, like those guys come from skating. They skate. Actually, they rip. So, like, trust those guys. I think that if if the big wigs in the C-suite get too involved and start making creative decisions, that's where the problems are going to come from. Because these guys, these guys know what they're doing. They've had an amazing launch. Just let them cook. I think they need a... They got a lot of supporting cast, and they have the... Uh, what, what is it when you're like... Yeah, they got the pro emeritus in Gino still think they got to land and there's people out there that they could probably get knowing how shoe contracts shoe contracts excuse me are in like you know short supply where's the uh Tiago Lemos where's the I don't know there's a bunch of guys on Nike there's a bunch of men and women on on Adidas that are kind of like the cornerstone all due respect to everybody that's already on the team but I don't see someone who's kind of like the current trendsetter in skating on ASIC. So they need to get someone who, I mean, again, like Aquasi and Emil, those dudes held it down in that video and were basically the video. They're going to do plenty. I know that I feel like they're underground, I guess is what I'm going to say. So they need someone who's just mainstream where it's like, oh, I, I like pro skater XYZ. Maybe even vanilla pro skater XYZ. But you need, you need someone that's a that's a cornerstone. Yeah, they need somebody who's like a Sodi contender. Yeah. Like a, and, you know, one of those yearly Sodi contenders. Maybe not a winner, but one who's in the conversation. Well, and I think I just saw that, like, is Wes Kramer no longer on DC? Yeah, Wes Kramer. Evan Smith. Uh, Evan Smith. Yeah. Guys are available. It's like, gosh, this I, I'm watching Timberwolves versus Sacramento Kings Summer League right now because I put whatever I can basketball-wise on in the background when I do this. It's like, yeah, man. There's there's free agents out there. You just gotta gotta get them. You gotta get the right ones though. And you just yeah. picking up Wes Kramer and Evan Smith. I mean, like Asics, cut us a finder's fee, please. Uh, <laughs> I, but, but I don't that know be, if those that would... two are are the right the right fit. Like I, I think Wes Kramer is awesome. Maybe he would be a good fit. But the lack of social, like from a business perspective, that's that's tough for a startup. Yeah, yeah. for a startup. Maybe you just gotta get a Wes Kramer handler. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody who just goes out to film, just, just does his socials. Like, yeah. That seems to defeat the point of like a very good Wes Kramer and very seemingly purposeful thing that he does. So actually, I don't wish that upon him. Yeah. I mean, something something I've noticed as well about Asics is that it seems like there's a general good vibe about the team, and it's the right size right now. Ideally, it's right. going to get bigger. Ideally, the team is going to get bigger. And it's going to start attracting some bigger names. Me personally, I think that the thing that ASIC should not do is put out a nothing but the truth. Because I think that 
kind of kneecapped Nike mm -hmm. in a way because the video was so long and so forgettable. It same thing with away days. It was like yeah, too those too much money. Yeah, like too much money. Too much neither had, had amazing skating, but just like jump around like Snoop Dogg. I it was like there was there was one great piece of uh, music supervision in there, and you know what I'm going to say was Lucas Puig skating the West End. Yeah. But I don't even think that was. I don't even think that counted because that video is such a just like a hodgepodge. And then the the Nike video, I think I've said it on on this podcast before. Like my my former roommate Benji Meyer, like did the flows stuff and helped with the DVD authoring. I might be wrong about that, but he definitely did like filmed and edited a lot of the fil like flow writer extras on the DVD. He went to premieres where like people booed the like. Wow. Nothing but the truth. <laughs> because that video was fucking horrible. Nobody's above criticism. Well, and, and and the Away Days video has good parts in it, but it's just such a, like, it's discombobulated. It doesn't make sense. Like, why does this all fit together? And it's so crazy that, you know, they, they made so many great web edits. Yeah, I mean, having, like, a cohesive brand identity is, I don't know, do, do kids give a shit about that? Maybe. Yeah, they do. Are you kidding me? Like when you're, look, I, I mean, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. There are, bro. I hate that, but hey. <laughs> I know there's plenty of skateboarders who say, "I don't care about fashion. I don't care about clothes." But guess what? There's a whole bunch of us who do, and especially young people, because there's what else is there to talk about other than sex and clothing and hanging out and music? Anyway, sex, clothing, yeah. hanging out, and music. That's our new tagline. Yeah, <laughs> mostly skateboarding <laughs> podcast. Yep. <laughs> But seriously, I, I mean, people do pay attention to it because, and, and and the kids might not articulate it the same way, but if someone's just like, I rock with the vision, I can vibe with it, that's basically what it is. That means that there's something about the brand that's speaking to them. And if you put out something that's whack, trust me, kids are not going to like it. I mean, it's, kids it's, as really simple as, like it. it's as simple as looking at Supreme. Like the kids who put, I mean, kids are seeing that sticker on their boards, that's computing, but that shit has to be vibing because it has um i don't know maybe it has slowed down maybe it hasn't but yeah but supreme is you know like no brand is forever i mean come on like polo has ebbed and flowed and polo god bless them they're still with us you know and supreme will probably be the same way no matter what ends up happening uh with vf who i know are very unhappy about the numbers but they're the ones who were stupid enough to move headquarters months before the pandemic and you know now they're taking it out on all of the brands that they bought up over the years but that's a whole other conversation. But I think ASICs, another thing that ASICs needs to do is keep a really simple line of shoes in rotation in addition to their more creative or pro models. Because the thing that absolutely kills me about Nike is how difficult it is to just go and cop a pair of black blazers. Or a dunk for that matter. Like a Exactly. Black, you know, just a basic pair of dunks, like... I mean, they they try to do that with orange label, and even that just all people just snatch those joints up. So I think that's the thing, and that's I think something that all the core skate brands did, and some of them still do. It's something that I think Adidas does very well. Um, and if Asics can make sure that there's like a certain model and colorway that's just out there and available and at a good price point, bomb. And okay, and one last piece of advice: you got to have a chiller. You need to have a shoe that will crossing that lane of the the Nike Uptown, the Stan Smith, whatever the Adidas that all the dads wear, the Nike Air Monarch, you know, just something that people could, like a white joint that people can rock with everything. You add that into the mix, you're going to go places. There we go. There's the formula. With the arrival of This Old Ledge from Thrasher Magazine and Ted Barrow, we got to thinking about all the rad skate content out there that doesn't put the action at the forefront. Epically Latered, On Video, Love Letters, etc. Patrick, why do you like this kind of stuff? I like this kind of stuff because I feel that, uh, especially for American skateboarding publications, that they do a really good job of video storytelling. Something I noticed, uh, something I was reminded of after coming back from vacation, having picked up a whole bunch of magazines in France, is that the quality of writing about music, about art, about skateboarding there is significantly better. And I'm talking about in terms of the storytelling, the vocabulary, even just... Uh, just just the, the general feel of the written word over there. Um, and, you know, this is my second language. So I'm reading much more closely, much more intently. And I've found that 
for a lot of American publications, it can be, you know, it could be hit or miss. And so one thing I find is that video storytelling can actually sometimes be that much better. Um, I think Ted for this old ledge, Ted Barrow, excuse me, Professor Ted Barrow deserves a huge amount of credit for what he did with Thrasher because, I mean, he's a very erudite, funny, interesting guy and also a great historian and storyteller, you know, a credentialed one at that. The professor <laughs> didn't come from nowhere. And so having him talk about San Francisco skating, talking about Justin Herman Plaza, EMB, and having him draw upon his huge database of knowledge and being able to articulate it in a way that, to quote uh, the homie Jose Vadi, who did an interview with him for uh, a local news station up there, it doesn't make you feel stupid. But at the same time, though, you are learning something, and that's something that's really key. Skateboarding intellectually can be very intimidating. As for stuff like followed or out there, it demystifies being a skateboarder or being a pro skateboarder. And that's something that we all learn to love by watching 411, A Day in the Life. Those were so cool, but were a little too, a little too, I don't know. There was, they always felt like something was was missing with them, um, except for the Kareem Campbell one, which was phenomenal. Oh, and the 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 Piss Drunks uh, soundtrack to Fugazi and Minor Threat. Uh, I think that was in issue 20. I could be wrong. Um, the ones like that come out now, like for example, the followed with Matt Price, regular guest on the show, just watching him nerd out about cameras and weaving the stories of being a photographer and how he became a photographer. It makes, it's interesting. It, 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 it's, it's not just talking about tricks and it's not just nerding out over spots. It's talking about the, the art that, you know, accompany skateboarding. I mean, like Mike Templeton, like, what do y'all think about, what do y'all think about this other content that comes with skateboarding? I feel like it can be hit or miss in a lot of ways. Like, gosh, I love Josh Kalis, but I got about four minutes into the out there video with him. And I'm like, ah, shit, we're still looking at granite ledges. Like there is definitely an art to it that I think were we capital W as skateboarders are still trying to figure out like what works and what doesn't. I think the, uh, this old ledge, is that the, even the official name? I feel like it, it, yeah, this old ledge with Ted Barra, like that was great at seven minutes and there was no filler. Maybe I'm just like too efficient with my time. Just, you know, I've, I've got, I've got every hour planned out every day. No, I, I agree. I, there. <laughs> I think like you, you could have made it 20 minutes long, but it would have been, you know, way too long. So well, yeah. And they did it, it right. it's like it, every, every sentence that he said had new information in it. And there were a lot of, you know, the photo accompaniments, the video accompaniments, they all worked. I'm excited about seeing more skateboard video content in this form. I did, however... You know, having just written a written an article about magazines that we recently talked about on this podcast, like there is nothing in the world that's stopping that video from being a fantastic, like let's say six pages, you know, double spread piece in the magazine, and you could write that and you can make it more concise, you could make it tighter. Not that Ted didn't do a great job speaking in front of a camera, but like there's a part of me as a magazine guy that wishes that. You know, instead of, I do think it's an easier route to make it video content and it's heady video content, but I think that, you know, there's, there's a missed opportunity when you could also put that in a magazine when there, those resources are there, obviously. I, I feel like giving it a six page, six page spread wouldn't have really done it justice. You know, like there's a lot of information in a seven minute video that like, if you were going to do it in print, it would have to be like a golden hour type thing, you know, where it's just like. 40 pages of like all kinds of like architectural sketches and you know first person accounts of being an EMB or whatever like I, I think that that would be the print route that I would see for something like this I'm bumping it up to eight pages but you can still fit like 2,000 words on there and like a lot of great pictures but point is duly taken I mean somebody's checkouts getting cut for those extra <laughs> yeah, pages <laughs> you're a trans world ass skater man calling out the checkout so then another question about this additional skateboard content it costs money to produce this stuff and something we've talked about quite often on the podcast is there's not as much money as people think there is in skateboarding and there's a lot of ways to do 
do it low budget. I mean, I love the fact that Jenkins, when they do those person on the street interviews and they got a crushed up beer can with a little mic on it and just asking questions, that could be really good. Because every now and then you'll get somebody wild. Like there, there was that one dude that, who hated Toy Machine. Or was it he hated Supreme? Maybe he hated both. But every now and then you, you, you capture some characters. And if you're in the right city on the right day, um, there can be some real magic. But then also on the flip side, there are some... Uh, there's some of these which are super boring because maybe the person doesn't love being interviewed. Maybe, you know, they're a bit mealy-mouthed and they're mumbling or they're talking way too fast. I mean, not everybody is comfortable in front of a camera and especially when it's going to be blasted out there on the, on the internet. I don't know, like what, what else could, what's something that, you know, we're all consumers of, for example, public radio and pod, other po types of podcasts. Like what's the other type, what's some other video content that you'd like to see in skating? Uh, I mean, I've got I've got some ideas. I've always got tons of ideas, but I I think like an easy one that a brand could do is just follow a project from beginning to end. Like you know, yeah. obviously they kind of do that with a video, but like designing somebody's graphic or you know that could be like a a great companion piece to somebody going pro. It's like you know here's how we chose the graphic for Billy Kickflip. You know he's super into manga and horses, so we got this manga guy to you know, draw Billy Kickflip as a manga black knight on a horse or, you know, whatever. And you just go through the process of like what it takes to design a skateboard and have it made. And that's interesting. You know, like you could do it for any kind of process. And I, I think cribs, you just do like skate house cribs would be hilarious. And it, it would be super revealing and interesting to be like, oh, wow, these top skaters live together and they live in semi-squalor or like, Maybe this guy's got like a super fancy house. You know, there's lots to learn there. Mike, Patrick, you guys got any uh, any ideas you want to soft pitch on the show? I mean, I mean, it seems like the whole everything that skateboard media does, or at least a lot of it, come to think of it, a lot of it's stuck in, I don't know, 1995 in terms of like, oh, here's a day in the life. Well, I, I don't recall when the first day in the life in 411 happened, but we haven't evolved much past that. And then, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's so much cool shit you could do with video. I, I would love to see a Cribs. The Squalor Skate House would be fantastic. And then, I don't know, I'm sure there's some dudes out there that are dudes and women that are living in really weird or cool places. And it's like, oh, here's my hammock that I sleep in every night. And here's this, here's that. I guess, I, yeah, I really do think that groupthink and skateboarding, as much as we think we are free thinkers, it just prevails. The groupthink prevails. And, I mean, this old ledge is a great start to something that's headier. And, I mean, I can hear people saying, like, oh, man, I don't give a shit about this art history or the architectural mouth. Like, fuck that. That was cool and good in that, you know, the San Francisco Public Library is in the credits as a resource. I mean, Ted's fucking smart as hell and very good at conveying ideas. It's a good thing. A couple of things come to mind. Uh, first one would be interviews with people who are not skaters who work in skateboarding. Talking to an accountant at a skate company. Talking to uh, a team manager. Talking to whoever does the board shapes. Or the wood shop. Um, talking to the folks who work in the warehouse. You know, following them around and you know, kicking it with them for say a week and say, what is it like, you know, shipping boards all day? What is it like, you know, doing, uh, like, say if you're hand screening, I mean, we've seen some stuff like that with, um, there are a few interviews with the, the homies from carpet, shout out to them that have shown their process and their, their workflow. Um, and they have been quite transparent about the fact that up until very recently, they both had very serious day jobs. And I think that was something that was very relatable, especially as people who, you know, can't skate all the time and have to pay the bills and you know skateboarding is basically your second shift i think another thing that would be really really cool maybe a series of uh vox the the news organization they do interviews with people in certain industries i would love to say for example and they do breakdowns of stuff like for example they did a great breakdown of why the writers guild went on strike and also shout out to the the actors who have also gone on strike uh, effective tomorrow. Uh, we're recording on Thursday the thirteenth. Anyway, I would love to see. I would love to see what it's like to book a skate tour. What it's like. What's the process of getting a whole bunch of people together and sending them abroad? 
how much money are they uh, are they getting in per diem if they're getting in per diem how do you do accommodations is it everybody is being paid for by one company or one organization i would love the, like i love stuff like that i think that would be really interesting you know last week we talked about refinery 29's money diaries you know mm. what about a money marketplace you know npr does that uh, that marketplace joint get skateboarders talking about how much money they do or don't make i mean there there's there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity to provide some insight to other parts of skateboarding. And I think something that helps about demystifying skateboarding and the skate industry is that it helps temper people's expectations so that you don't have people who are grossly disappointed when things inevitably do not work out. There's nobody who's had a perfect pro career and hung it up at exactly the right time. There's always regrets. There's always money that was left on the table. There was always money that was uh, spent a little bit or a lot too frivolously. Yo, do we think that there's like actual incentives to not demystify the whole skateboard in- industry? I don't know. Like, there, there might be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we want to know everything. We want to know all the ins and outs. Yeah, well, I, I think skate, skate media relies on skate companies to pay the bills. You know, like Thrasher isn't running ads for Casper mattresses or whatever. You know, it's all skate companies paying for that. So Thrasher is not gonna like go out Santa Cruz for, you know, fraud or whatever. I don't know. I'm sure Santa Cruz is not doing any fraud. Um, or, <laughs> I'm not walk sure, it back. but uh, walk it back. <laughs> just an example. Um, but yeah, without any outside money, there's not much incentive to shine a light in the dark corners. Yeah, you're right. But, you know, back to the, the question of this, back to the question of additional content, alternative content. I think the, you know, thinking to, to, to Matt prices, you know, Matt is an enthusiastic and awesome dude and also a great storyteller. And I'd like to think that somewhere out there, somebody watched that and said, he seems like a cool guy. He could skate a bit too. I like photography. I would love to get into something like that. And also he's somebody who has made himself available to a lot of people. And so, um, there's something very important about having people in the skate industry who are not skaters talking about what they do to maybe inspire other people to say, hey, maybe I want to be a photographer. Maybe I want to be a filmer. Because I love stuff like that. Like, it, 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 it's, you know, you see this happening sometimes out here, and probably you guys have seen it as well, where somebody meets a photographer, somebody inspired them to do something in skateboarding. And seeing that connection that's made, that, that to me is just the coolest thing. Yeah, I think that, you know, just showing all the aspects of skateboarding and how you can be involved in skateboarding and do cool shit within skateboarding is important. Like, yeah, Matt Price talking about all the aspects of his job. I apologize. I have not seen that yet, but I know he's engaging. And I mean, I talked to him for that quarter snacks article that we talked about and, you know, he's all about putting interesting slash creative slash inspiring stuff out there. And like, that can get other people sparked on making things within skateboarding. And I mean, that's that's what makes skateboarding go. Like, people need to feel inspired to do more within skateboarding. And it's not always skating, as we've talked about <laughs> at length on this podcast over the past four years or however long we've been doing this. Like, I think the more the more aspects of skateboarding that you can show, be it in video or print, probably not print so much right now just because of the state of the world and the state of who skateboarders are they're not all 40 something year old dudes in their basements podcasting <laughs> not your mother's basement nobody's in their yeah. mom's basement but yeah if, it, you know, if somebody like, wants to go on that if somebody wants to interview i mean templeton you were just recently uh interviewed about excuse me you were just recently interviewed about being a podcaster by Beyond Boards. Shout out to Beyond Boards, by the way. Shout out to Beyond Boards, um, the Skate Creative Podcast. Oh, dang. You're right. Easy mistake. They have a similar mission, but... Anyway. I still say shout out to them, but you get what I'm saying. Um, I, I think that another thing that would be, or another space that would be really interesting for interviews would be for small, more small um, basement, garage, whatever companies to talk about what they do um especially those that have actually made it a little bit like um i would love to see how bronze or quarter snacks got to where they are because the two of them have you know those two institutions have really shaped the last decade of skateboarding at least for me anyway and i've been uh, a big fan of their work since i got back into skating like a decade ago and 
and really inspired by what they do. And I just think it's really, really cool. They just kind of started off as, you know, a little something. And now it's a bigger something. Templeton, what was the shit? 80 words for the TSM, the skateboard mag, about the website. I'm blanking on it. Squog. It was 300 Three Was it 300? Damn, I got shortchanged. Yeah, I wrote the quarter snack squog in 2008. Like, totally remember those circumstances. It's great that, like, that goes back that, that far. And just that, I don't know, these things take a long time to to develop and all that. But, yeah, I think, I, I think that showing, I don't know, showing more aspects of skateboarding, even, like, to go back to this old ledge, like, the aspect of you can think about this in terms of, like, a history like not even that deep of a history of a city, but these places you're skating have history and they have meaning and they have significance outside of like, oh, can I prop up this grate to, you know, skate whatever. I think it's worthwhile. I don't know. Do do we think kids are into it? That's a great question. I mean, I I think that no matter what, the skate action is going to be the thing that we want as skaters, you know, like Thrasher better put out a sick-ass part or some sick ass skating every week or else like my head's going to explode. But I, I think that these kind of supplemental extra things are super worthwhile and probably not as popular as those action things, but I think that they're important, worth doing, worth putting out there and it'll reach more people and a different set of people, you know, like KQED who wrote up uh, this new series, like they, they didn't do an article on the latest Nyjah part or whatever. So it, it is bringing in a new audience or bringing something new to the table, which I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I do think, uh, you know, I mentioned it when we were talking about whether, you know, what we were going to talk about this week, people are interested in, I don't know, if you're on Twitter, there's a lot of urbanists out there. Like this is now 10 ish years ago. There used to be a, a, he did write-ups about, you know, just like walks and local history that you could walk about and see in the Twin Cities for a site called minpost.com here. And um, actually, a buddy and I, this guy, Andy Sturdivant, who was doing a walking tour, it turned into a bus tour. I misspoke. He, had, he, he got a bus of people and they went downtown Minneapolis and he, you know, bussed them around and they looked at places and... My buddy and I were at the 5th Street Tower, which is a long skate stop, but still semi-skatable spot in downtown Minneapolis. And yeah, this bus pulled up and we actually talked about like, oh, here's how you skated this spot and here's why we liked it and here's why it's cool. Here's how they skate stopped it. And these people were very into it. It was like, you know, 20, 25 people did that for a while. We're pointing at, you know, granite and marks on it, much like the you know, axle marks on the brick at EMB that Ted Barrow is pointing out. And then the security in Minneapolis came and like semi kicked us out. They were like, what are you all doing? I mean, it was, it was like the same old game. It was kind of funny. And for what experience. Yeah. Yeah. There was like high verisimilitude on that, on that aspect. Definitely was in San Francisco this past fall and pointed out to my wife, those same axle marks on the bricks at EMB. So Dude's not making it up. It's a point of interest. Exactly. And it's important. You know, it's important to have an understanding of the history of place. You know, we shouldn't just be casually just like bumbling through our lives, especially as skateboarders, the amount of time and energy that we spend skating and existing in skate spots. It's important to learn about this stuff. It's it's important to have context. It's the thing that, uh, that creates a culture. You know, we're not just here to consume and go to sleep and that's it. It's important to create a culture. That's very, like, very concise and very well put. Perfect. Very simple. Well, I'm, I'm stoked on uh, that concise fucking shit. I, I blew it. I'm not stoked on my transition. Anyway, I'm stoked because that was a good line. And that brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Mike, uh, what are you stoked on? I'm stoked on last week. Got my kid, her first setup. She's six. It's a girl, Rowan Davis. Deck, ace trucks. I wanted something that you could loosen up for a little person in turn. There's Orb's wheels on there because they match the deck. She's got Reds. She's got Ace Allen hardware. Mob grip, grudgingly allowing that because that was the the grip that comes with a with a complete at 
Board of Missoula, also stoked on Board of Missoula. My kid was like really excited about riding my skateboard, which I took to a re- recent vacation in Montana. She was in the airport riding down carpeted ramps like a pro. So we bought her a board out there at Board of Missoula. That is a great shop in a wonderful mountain town. So props to MOB. Love that place. Also stoked on Montana. And then uh, stoked on reporting on skateboarding stories. I'm doing a little bit more work right now. And every now and then it's just like you reach out to people. They're very receptive. You get to talk about skating. That's always awesome. Finally, I'm very stoked on uh, some Gramichi shorts I just got. They're the NN model. They got the waistband, like like the built-in belt. If you're ever walking around and you got like just drawstring shorts and you want to put a water bottle or anything else of like decent weight in your back pocket, front pocket, and all of a sudden your shorts are falling off, the Gramichi jams like got you because those stay on your waist. Organic cotton. I don't know. Maybe I'm just projecting. It might might be inorganic cotton, but they're pretty dope. And uh, I would recommend them should you feel so inclined. Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? So this week, I'm stoked on Spitfire Wheels. There's a new capsule that just came out. Uh, Mark Gonzalez designed a bunch of wheels, uh, which is always super, super cool. Uh, I'm stoked because one of my younger brothers, who lived in Germany for a long time, is actually visiting this weekend. We're actually going to be doing some grilling tonight. Also, hyped because his birthday is this weekend. And guess what else is this weekend? Bastille Day. Joyeux Fête Nationale. Uh, also, again, really stoked on Ted Barrow's This Old Ledge. I really, really enjoyed it. Shout out to the homie Ted. Um, Townies, which is a new video from a crew from Louisville, Kentucky. Going to drop a link to this Ooh. in the show notes. And honestly, we talked about it, but I really enjoyed Matt Price's follow. He's, he's just a cool dude. And he's also the person who got me off of wearing skate shoes while driving in the car. Uh, shout out to the homie for wearing Horachis when we first met up to skate at the Santa Monica DMV. Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? Uh, this is a big one. Uh, I'm stoked on the end of skate park sobriety for me. Hadn't really skated a skate park for three to four years. And recently skated a few here and there. And then uh, earlier this week, a friend was in town and he wanted to meet up and skate this park that's like seven minutes from my house so i met up with him we skated the park it was fun so i'm i'm down i'm down to skate the parks uh especially indoor parks so um hit me up and uh that's it for our show this week be sure to check out mostly skateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes until next time you can keep up with us all week online patrick where can the people find you so you can find me on Twitter under the handle at Colonel K Speaks. You can also find me on Instagram and threads under the handle at PKigago. And finally, doing stuff as chairman of the executive board of the Harold Hunter Foundation. Mike, where can the people find you on Bobby, 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 Digi, Digi, Digi's internet? So happy I got that intro. I'm on Instagram and Twitter under the same handle at M Munzenrider. Templeton, where can we find you? You can, find me, you can find me on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding and on Twitter at Mostly Skate. See you guys next week. <laughs>